eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the privilege and opportunity to fellowship with you this morning. Father in heaven, your word has promised us that you will put within us a new heart and a new spirit and that you will cause us to walk in your statutes. Lord, we have also read in your word that the words you speak are spirit and life. We pray, Father, that as we go through your words today, we shall fellowship with you and these words shall give us power to become sons of God. So, dear Lord, I commit myself unto your care and I pray, Father, please grant me of your spirit and put your words in my mouth. Your children who are listening, I pray, Father, that you also grant them of your spirit equally to grant them understanding, impress on their hearts the various ways that these lessons apply to their personal lives, that they may be edified and blessed and strengthened to the end that we all will reflect your glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage May 1 Steal too many. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be, that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Judges chapter 7 verse 4 The people were led down to the waterside, expecting to make an immediate advance upon the enemy. A few hastily took a little water in the hand and sucked it up as they went on. But nearly all bowed upon their knees and leisurely drank from the surface of the stream. Those who took up the water in their hands were but 300 out of 10,000. Yet these were selected. All the rest were permitted to return to their homes. By the simplest means, character is often tested. Those who in time of peril were intent upon supplying their own wants were not the men to be trusted in an emergency. The Lord has no place in his work for the indolent and self-indulgent. The men of his choice were the few who would not permit their own wants to delay them in the discharge of duty. The three hundred chosen men not only possessed courage and self-control, but they were men of faith. They had not defiled themselves with idolatry. God would direct them, and through them, he could work deliverance for Israel. Success does not depend upon numbers. God can deliver by few as well as by many. He is honored not so much by the great numbers as by the character of those who serve him. All who would be soldiers of the cross of Christ must gird on the armor and prepare for conflict. They should not be intimidated by threats or terrified by dangers. They must be cautious in peril, yet firm and brave in facing the foe and doing battle for God. The consecration of Christ's follower must be complete. Father, mother, wife, children, houses, lands, everything must be held secondary to the work and cause of God. He must be willing to bear patiently cheerfully, joyfully, 
whatever in God's providence he may be called to suffer. His final reward will be to share with Christ the throne of immortal glory. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Still Too Many. And if you are just joining this podcast, we have been looking at the life of Gideon and the lessons that we can learn from it. In the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4, we are told that all the things that were written aforetime, that is, all the stories of how God led the children of Israel from Genesis down to even Revelation, all of it were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope in first corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 specifically we are told that these things were written for us who are living at the end time so we need to go through these stories because history repeats itself and it is said rightly said actually that those who do not know their history are bound to repeat it and that is said in a negative sense if you do not know your history you will forget what you ought to do and how to respond to various situations. We saw in one of our devotions that the reason why the Ephraimites were afraid is that they forgot the way the Lord had led them in their past history. And we are told in that famous quote, We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teachings in our past history. So it's important that we study the past and look at the way the Lord has led in the past and get the lessons from it. Then we have nothing to fear for the future. But if we do not know these stories, oh, we have a lot to fear because they were written for us to give us courage. And that's why the title of our devotion is Conflict and Courage. So we are to get courage from the stories that we hear. Romans 15 verse 4 says that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Let us read and go through the story of Gideon that we may have hope so we left off seeing how the lord said that the soldiers of gideon were too many 23000 of them left out of fear and then he had only 10000 left to go against thousands tens of thousands perhaps hundreds of thousands of the midianites his army was too small compared to that of the midianites and the lord said the reason he was doing this was so that the children of Israel will not boast about it and say it was by their might that they conquered the Midianites. The Lord wanted them to know for sure that it is him who did it. And we learned the lesson that the Lord is ready to work with few or with many. It is not the numbers that matters, but rather it is the consecration of the workers that matter. It is the character that matters. It is the fellowship with God that matters. One with God is majority. So Gideon was told once again that the, there were too many. Judges chapter 7 verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down onto the water. And we have read this. The Lord sifted them again and reduced their number till they were remaining just 300. And it was these 300 that the Lord used to drive away the Midianites and to release Israel from the bondage of the Midianites. What lesson do we learn? from the Lord reducing their number to 300 and selecting just these ones and the rest of them left. Like we just saw in the reading that we had, success does not depend upon numbers and the people who the Lord chose are people who had never participated in idolatry. They were people who would not permit their own wants to delay them in the discharge of duty. 
That's an important thing. Now, those who lapped to drink the water, they felt they needed water. So, let me focus on my needs first before I go to the battle. But those who just took a little, they didn't lap to drink the water. They didn't stoop. They just lifted their hand and just and they just put their hand down into the water and put some water into their mouth and they kept on going. They had needs too. But they focused not on their own needs but on the course of God while neglecting their own needs. We read that it is true little things like these that character is tested. By the simplest means, character is often tested. The Lord used this simple means of seeing who will attend to their needs above the course of God to know who are those that he can trust and who can he can work with. Now, if they had gone for this battle, the fact that those people, those remaining, those who left, apart from the 300, lapped to drink water, showed it was a sign to show that if they went for the battle, when their needs come up, they will neglect the battle and focus on their needs. And this is not the kind of people the Lord wants to work with. Those who in time of peril were intent upon supplying their own wants were not the men to be trusted in an emergency. The Lord has no place in his work for the indolent and self-indulgent. You see, even when Jesus was selecting his disciples and people who will work with him, he tested them with these little things. Small things test character. Luke chapter 9 verse 57 to 62 says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at, my, at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plough, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. What do we see in common in these three people? Firstly, Jesus warned the other one, This is no work for people who love to have things easy. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but if you are joining me in this work, it is not something that is comfy. It is not something that you're going to enjoy yourself. There is hardship. You are not to focus on your needs. And the second one said, let me, Jesus actually called him and said, follow me. And that one gave an excuse saying, I want to go and bury my father. Another That was his need. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their, bury their dead. When there is a serious work to perform, you must let go of those your needs. Thirdly, another one said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my house. And Jesus said, if you have put your hand to the plow and then you look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. This is a lesson to all of us. And this was the lesson for Gideon's army. When they lapped to drink the water, they showed that they were more intent on satisfying their needs than on the course of God. Today, the Lord needs people to do work for him. There is a, we have a world to warn. The three angels' messages, especially the third angels' message, which has been committed to us to tell the world that there is a time coming that the Lord is going to say to us, do not receive the mark of the beast. And we are to ensure that this work is 
we focus on it and do it with a single mind nothing is there should be there to distract us we are not to give excuses for the lord not even the burial of anyone not even our own needs of saying no i don't have a house to stay in let me build my house when i finish with taking care of my house and i'll take care of the work or we will say to ourselves oh let me go and tell my people first i need to take permission from my parents before i do this work this, these are the excuses. These people represent the people that lapped to drink the water. And the Lord cannot trust such people. They will abandon him in a time of emergency. To put it in perspective, I will read now from the book Evangelism, page 654, paragraph 2. Very strong words here. It says, It is Satan's regular employment to hinder the work of God and to work for the destruction of the race. Frequently, when the interest in a certain locality is at its height, he makes it appear to the mind of the worker that some trifling matter at home is of great importance. Let me pause. It could be, oh, I want to go and take permission from my parents or, oh, somebody has just died. Oh, my wife is sick. Oh, my, my children are sick or any excuse at all. The devil will bring it when you are doing God's work and he will want you to leave that work. It says here frequently when the interest in a certain locality is at its height, he makes it appear to the mind of the worker that some trifling matter at home is of great importance and demands his immediate presence. The eye of the worker not being single to the glory of God, he leaves the work unfinished and rushes home. He may be kept away for days and even weeks and his former work becomes raveled and tangled stitch after stitch is dropped never to be taken up again and when he sees that he is successful in making temporal matters supreme in the mind of he, of this person he gives him his hands full of trouble he at once begins to manufacture home difficulties so as to entangle his mind and if possible to keep him away from the work altogether when souls are deciding for or against the truth do not, I beseech you, allow yourselves to be drawn away from your field of labor. Do not abandon it to the enemy. I might say, even if one lay dead in your house, Christ said, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. If you could only see the importance of the work as it has been presented to me, the paralysis that is upon many would be shaken off and there would be a rising from the dead and a coming to life through Jesus Christ. If we firmly take our stand as God's workmen saying, the Lord has given us a message and we cannot be faithful watchmen unless we stand at our post of duty, we will carry the work through at all hazards. Then we shall find that angels of God will minister to our households at home and will say to the enemy, stand back. End of quote. The Lord is assuring us, do not think of your own needs. I will take care of them. Go and do the work I have asked you to do. The men who lapped to drink water were taking care of their needs and they, they gave they gave indication that in a time of emergency, they will leave the work of the Lord to attend to their own needs and the Lord cannot work with such people. If we must be workers for God, we must understand that he who has called us will take care of the things that belongs to us. I can testify to this and I know that I myself have passed through such a thought in my own mind thinking how will my mother be taken care of, how will, my, how will I take care of my needs and the Lord will say, go and do the work I have asked you to do. 
And I said to myself, if I neglect the work that the Lord is asking me to do, then I know that troubles will multiply for me. And I asked myself, can I take care of my own needs? Is it not the Lord that will take care of it? If we think that the reason why we are neglecting the work of God is that we want to take care of our needs, or oh, I have my wife, or oh, I have my children, or oh, I have my mother, or oh, I have my father, oh yes, then you will have problems to take care of. But if you focus on the work of God, to even in the times of emergency and leave your needs with the Lord to take care of, then the Lord will indeed take care of you. That is the assurance we need to have. Those who did not lap to drink the water were concentrating on the work of God. They saw it as the major work they had. They were single-minded. And that is the lesson we need to learn from here. Single-mindedness. The Lord, when he called his disciples, told them not to take anything with them, not even shoes and not even anything. And he asked them, when I sent you out, did you lack anything? They said, no, they did not lack anything. And that is the lesson the Lord wants to teach us. Many are afraid under a load of care, thinking, what will I eat? What will I drink? Wherewithal shall I be clothed? These are the questions on the minds of those who the Lord is calling to do a work for him. But the Lord is saying to you, focus on my work and I will take care of your needs. Do not multiply problems for yourself. Focus on what I have asked, asked you to do. That is the lesson we should learn from here. The Lord will only work with those who are single-minded, who knows how to leave their needs in the hands of the Lord while they take care of the work that the Lord has given to them and they trust the Lord to take care of their own needs for them. Going on into the story of Gideon, there are other lessons that we can learn from here. The other lessons we learn is that the Lord will always walk with those who are consecrated to him. When it was time for the battle, the Gideon did not have weapons. He didn't have swords like the Midianites may have. He just took pitchers and lamp. That was all he took. And when the Lord said, I will deliver them into your hand today, it was just 300 of them. And he told them that in the night they should blow their trumpet. And when they blew the trumpet, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. So they didn't move. They just stood there round about the camp. But all the host ran and cried and fled. That is, the Midianites were the ones who started to run. While the people who were with Gideon just stood round about the camp and cried all that. They cried. And all they said is the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's all. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. Even throughout all the hosts. And the host fled to Bethshita in Zererat. And to the border of Abel Mohilah and Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Bedbara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters. And the rest of the story just concludes that the Lord got the victory for the children of Israel. But the lesson from here is that they did not even fight anybody. God set the Midianites against themselves and they destroyed themselves. The Lord has many ways to take care of our enemies for us if we will only be faithful to him. Hebrews 11 verse 31 tells us how these 300 men were able to conquer. Hebrews 11, reading from verse 31, says, By faith, talking about, I just want to start from here, it shows that everything here is by faith. By faith, first of all, it says, The harlot Rahab perished not. And then when we go down, it says, 
in verse 32, And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Amen. This was what happened for Gideon. He turned to flight the armies of the aliens and waxed valiant in fight. And it is not as if he had any strength in himself. All of it was by faith. The Lord will teach us this lesson all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We can only get the victory through faith. What is faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 reading from verse 16 and then we are told that without faith it is impossible to please God Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 in the book of Matthew chapter 8 reading from verse 5 downwards it talks about the centurion who came to meet Jesus saying my servant lies grievously tormented sick of the palsy and Jesus said I will come and heal him and the man said do not come you don't need to come to my house for I am a man under authority I can say to this one this soldier go and he goes and say to the other come and his comments and say this to the servant do this and he do it and then he said speak the word only and my servant shall be healed and Jesus said marveled and said I have not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. So what is faith then? This man believed that Jesus just needed to speak the word and he believed that the word of God would be fulfilled. This is what it means to have faith, to trust the word of God. Gideon heard God's word telling him, go in this thy might. If he did not hear that word and he went, he will be destroyed. Faith simply means to trust the word of God and do what it says and expect that it is not your doing what it says that will give you results, but that same word that you heard has power to give you to give the results. The word of God is powerful. Hebrews reading from chapter 4 verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Gideon trusted not to his strength, but he trusted to what he was told, that word of God, when God appeared to him and told him, go in this thy might, and gave him every instruction. Do you see what faith was? Faith was obedience to everything the Lord asked him to do. When he was told to tell those who are afraid to go, he did it. That was faith. When he was told to separate those who were lapping to drink the water, he did it. That was faith. When he was told how he was going to get the victory, which was by getting the pitchers and the lamps and blowing the trumpets, he did not invent a new way for himself. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. That was faith. And that's why we read in Hebrews 11 that it was by faith that Gideon did what he did and got the victory. And it's only by faith that we also can get the victory today. Another lesson that we can learn from Gideon's life is his humility and his the way he removed attention from himself. After Gideon had chased many of the Midianites and he called the people from Ephraim to join him in the battle, they came and they joined him. But then he was rebuked for what he did. In Judges 8 verse 1 it says, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight the Midianites? And they did chide, him, chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison with you? 
is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiazah? You see, what Gideon did here was very intelligent, wise and humble. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 554, paragraph 2, it says, Gideon returned from pursuing the enemies of the nation to meet censure and accusation from his own countrymen. When at his call, the men of Israel had rallied against the Midianites, the tribe of Ephraim had remained behind. They looked upon the effort as a perilous undertaking, and as Gideon sent them no special summons, they availed themselves of this excuse not to join their brethren. But when the news of Israel's triumph reached them, the Ephraimites were envious because they had not shared it. After the rout of the Midianites, the men of Ephraim had by Gideon's direction seized the fords of the Jordan, thus preventing the escape of the fugitives. By this means, a large number of the enemy were slain, among whom were two princes Oreb and Zeb. Thus, the men of Ephraim followed up the battle and helped complete the victory. Nevertheless, they were jealous and angry, as though Gideon had been led by his own will and judgment. They did not descend God's hand in the triumph of Israel. They did not appreciate his power and mercy in their deliverance. And this fact showed them unworthy to be chosen as his special instruments. Returning with the trophies of victory, they angrily reproached Gideon. Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not, when thou wentest to fight the Midianites? What have I done now in comparison? And then Gideon answered them what we read in the scriptures. The spirit of jealousy might easily have been fanned into a quarrel that would have caused strife and bloodshed. But Gideon's modest answer soothed the anger of the men of Ephraim, and they returned in peace to their homes. Firm and uncompromising, where principle was concerned, and in war, a mighty man of valor, Gideon displayed a spirit of courtesy that is rarely witnessed. End of quote. And we should learn to also display a spirit of courtesy. The way they chided Gideon angrily and sharply could have led him to fight them too and they would they would have a problem between themselves. But the way he responded to them showed his courtesy and it quelled the quarrel. And that's a lesson for us. So today the Lord is speaking to us. Firstly, the lesson we learned is we should neglect our own needs and focus on the needs of the Lord and the Lord will take care of our needs for us. The work that we have to do today is so important that the Lord will take care of your needs for you if you focus on the work he has given us to do. We should not let anything to divert us. Whenever you go for an evangelism, whenever you are on the walk, realize that the devil will come there to distract you with something that looks important. He's not going to distract you necessarily with worldly things. If that one works, fine. But if you are so conscientious and such a good Christian, he will distract you with your family members. He will distract you with things that look like real needs. Oh, I need to go and bury my parents. Oh, I need to go and bury this person. Oh, my wife is sick. I just heard my son is sick. Oh, I have this thing I need to do that is actually cares of this life that are actually looking like things that should be, must be done. In fact, he will tell you, oh, if you cannot take care of a family, you are worse. You are worse than an infidel. Well, you can tell him the Lord will take care of my family and focus on the work that the Lord has asked you to do. And let us also learn to exercise faith in obedience to every word of God. You cannot claim you have faith and then you are disobeying God and inventing new methods for yourself on how to do God's work and you're not following the exact word of God. And lastly, let us have a spirit of courtesy. May the Lord give us grace to imbibe these lessons and grow up into our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for speaking to us through these words. 
please impress on our hearts more and more the truths you want us to learn and transform us into the image of Christ. Help us, Lord, that our faith will increase, that we will trust you and do your work faithfully. We trust that you will also take care of our needs as we focus on doing your work. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name, amen.